Thank you for joining us on our LWCC podcast. Right now, you're going to hear a message from our senior pastor and founder of Living Word, Pastor Ruben Reyna. Let's jump into our word. Seeing the young men here, I'd rather see them here than to see them in a nightclub. And just, just admiring how they play and all that good stuff. And then my jolly little giant here. I felt this present just flow. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, especially because he's alive, he's not dead. And he's living. Hallelujah. If you're here for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. May the Lord touch you and may you enjoy his presence. Turn with me to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, 8, and 9. <clears throat> and I want to minister a little bit about, about God can use you in spite of your failures in spite of your failures. I was thinking right now while I was here, my mother texts me, she's 94 years old. And she tells me, is everything okay? I said, yeah, everything's fine. She says, don't forget, the Holy Ghost is with you. What a nice heritage I have to have a mom like that. 94, and she says, I'm gonna outlive you, all of you. So a real Texan now. <laughs> Verse 7, how many have verse 7? But we have these treasures in earthly vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're not per- we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always, listen to this, always bearing about in, our, in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. This is what hits me all the time. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifested in our bodies. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. I thank you for everything that you're doing. I pray the blessing of the Lord on your word and that you will minister to us in Jesus' name, I ask. Amen and amen. And maybe Rudy can get me a microphone ready, Rudy, that uh, I could use real quick and bring it up here, if you're here, Rudy. All right. Somebody send the message out to Rudy. So in thinking of all this, I started thinking of how beautiful God is, how God created man in his image and how he he everything was void there was nothing there he recreated everything and then he made man and the scripture says that the dust came together and formed a man and then he was lonely and you know the story he took out one of his ribs and made a woman and what a beautiful thing when we can see creation right in front of us 
Every time I see anybody that I know, my heart jumps for joy because of the creation of God. Not just because you're saved, but because I see God's creation right in front of my face. And I say, what a beautiful God we got that he cares so much for us and he embraces us and he loves us. Even when we stumble, he loves us. Uh, he picks us up like little cats from the back and makes us stand on our feet and drops us to start walking again. And the Lord is so gracious. Can you say amen? amen. So what I want to do is just encourage you that God can use you in spite of your failures. In spite of your failures. I'm not saying that we do it purposely. I'm just saying we live and learn through our failures. But sometimes the enemy uses condemnation to put us down and to leave us there and to make us, make us feel like we're not worth anything. When we're more valuable than the sparrows. God, God says you're more valuable than any, anything else that I've made. You're the first creation that I made. And when I think about that, you, you need to think about it also that God will use you. Just get up and say, I am God's creation. God saved me. I've been born again. God is doing a work inside of me. Okay, I stumbled a little bit. I'm going to get up and dust myself and I'm going to move on because I am God's creation and God saved me, filled me with the Spirit, and now I'm a new creation. See, God always is determined to use weak individuals. Weak individuals. Because that's how you become strong. That's why Paul said in the last portion, it says, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifested in our bodies. We go through things. We get persecuted. But then we gain knowledge of what he suffered and how he died for us. And life is imparted to us to accomplish what we need to accomplish. So God's determined to accomplish of everything that he wants to accomplish in your life, regardless of how you feel. And when you look at your Bible and you read your Bible, you find men that they're ordinary men, men that loved God, but men that suffered a lot of different things. And he puts a variety of men in front of us so that we can be encouraged. In the Old Testament, he says you need to look at the Old Testament because those are examples for us so that we can pattern our lives with them. Because we can relate to their weaknesses. When you think about Isaiah, Isaiah was a man that was a prayer warrior. A man of full of passion. And yet he felt wounded inside of him. He felt like he couldn't go any further. And yet he trusted in his God because he was a man of prayer. When you think about David, a man after God's own heart, a young man that was able to conquer a giant, able to conquer a bear, every, every, was able to conquer a lion, and yet God used him under that presence of God to destroy the works of the devil. And then he became king, and the Bible says that he had that position of power, because sometimes power can corrupt and corrupt you completely. Where you think you got so much power, you could do whatever you want to do. And the Bible says he looked at Bathsheba, he fell with Bathsheba, and he almost lost the kingdom. But he was a man that knew God. And the Bible says that he repented and the Lord picked him up again. When you think about Peter, Peter was a violent man, a man that man, would cut, cut off your ear if he had to. He would do whatever he had to do, but even God told Peter, come on, Peter, you can't be acting like that, Peter. I'm going to make you into a 
giant preacher when I get done with you. And out of your mistakes, you're going to look back and you're going to say, God has been gracious, merciful to me, so therefore I am going forward. So these are men that God placed in the Bible. So when you think about Abraham, the Bible says that he was the father of all nations, living, living a lie also. When he told his wife in front of Pharaoh, tell her that you're my sister. Because if they find out you're my wife and you're so beautiful, they're going to kill me and keep you. So I want to live and I want to keep on going. He probably didn't think that God was going to create a miracle and plague Pharaoh. The Bible says that he plagued him and he revealed to him that that was Abraham's wife. And to leave her alone. And the Bible says that even God had mercy there. That when she left, God, the king gave him cattle, gave him everything so that he could take with him. Because he was a man of God. But he made a mistake. I know some of you never lied. But he made that mistake. <laughs> Jacob was a schemer. I know we don't have no schemers here. I knew a guy by the name of, we used to call him Panther. And Panther was a short little guy, mustache, brown complected, and he backslid it. And one day we're having a conference and he walks in with, with this girl. And this girl was, you know, hey, you know, she was one of those, hey. And he, <laughs> and he was walking with this suit and the suit was like, you know, 10 times bigger than him. But he wanted to come back to the Lord. And he walked in with her. And, I, and I, I looked at him. I said, hey, Panther, what's up? I stopped everything. I said, Panther, what's up? He says, oh, Pastor, I failed God. And I am miserable. I am miserable. And so I said, well, let me talk to you after the service. So I got him. And my brother Eloy was there. I said, Eloy, you remember this guy? Keep his face right in front of you. Because when he leaves back to town, I want you to go and take them and snatch them. And I want you to heal them because he was using heroin. So Eloy, my brother, is crazy. He says, I got him. He went and got him. He says, I got him. I'm going to the hotel. I said, okay. He says, but you're not going to like what I did. Uh, what did you do? He says he's kicking real bad, so I had to buy him some Seagram 7, tequila, everything. I got him drunk. I knocked him out for three days. Then I got some menudo and some soup, and I gave it to him, and he's recovering now. I said, I didn't need to know all that, Eloy. That's fine. And, and, and little did I know that Panta, Panther, call him in Spanish Panta, but it's Panther. Little did I know, he told me, I feel the calling of God after six months, something like that. I said, well, go and fulfill what you need to fulfill. And he went back to Oxnard. In three months, he had 500 people. Amen. 500 people that loved him. <clears throat> and listen to this. After that, about two more months, he passed away. But what a testimony. I told my brother Eloy, that was a good medicine you gave him. <laughs> Whatever it takes. As long as we love people, we're doing what's right. 
So where did I get off on that? On Jacob the schemer, the conniver. <laughs> Jacob was too much. He, he ran away. He robbed the, uh, what was it, the first? He robbed this, the what? Birthright. His birthright. Thank you. Two minds are better than one. He robbed his birthright and ran away, thinking that he was going to get away with it. And yet God appeared to him and told him, Jacob, you did what was wrong. Now you need to get your things together with, uh, with Esau and come back and just do what you need to do correctly now. And he fixed all that. So we make mistakes. How many of you have ever connived somebody? You don't have to lift up your hands. You don't have to do anything like that. Just, just go like that. But it's okay. But God still changed your life. God still was patient with you. God still loved you. And today you're here by the mercy and by the grace of God. So we don't want to do that again. We just want to serve God now. Look at Adam and Eve. Even his creations, the ones he made with, with his own breath and power and glory. And yet Adam or Eve decided just to ruin a perfect marriage and were cast out of the garden and we had to live with that sin on us. And yet God still recovered Adam. And God still had mercy on Adam. So if God had mercy on all these people, don't you think that he'll have mercy on us? Don't you think that he'll love us much more? Because he puts up with us. How many are grateful to God that he puts up with you? You know, we serve a God that is loving, caring, and he is an awesome God. When you think of Samuel, everybody looks at Samuel as a perfect prophet. Well, when he saw Agag, he gave command to destroy him. He destroyed, you know, he destroyed Agag with his own hands, grabbed the sword, and cut him into multiple pieces. And yet God still had mercy on him because he had this righteousness to live for God and to accomplish what God wanted, but not in that way. But yet God honored him. Those were the Old Testament ways. And when you think of Joseph, Joseph was so arrogant, so arrogant because his daddy spoiled him. And his brothers took notice that they were spoiling him all the time, that he gave him that, that jacket of many colors. And he, he wore it. And it almost cost him his life because they sold him out. And they sold him and the Egyptians took him and he was a slave. But yet God in his mercy still had his hand upon his life. God does not stop. Tell your neighbor, God does not stop loving you. Look at Jonah. Jonah was a man. He was a great prophet. But God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to preach over there to Nineveh. And he didn't want to because he was prejudiced. He didn't, he didn't like the Ninevites. So he decided to go the way of Tarsha, bought himself a ticket, got in the boat. And the Bible says that God created a big storm. And while the storm was going, he was laying there and everybody was panicking. And finally he got up and he said to everybody, he says, the reason why we're going through all this is because I disobeyed God and I'm running away from God. And then he gets this idea, throw me into the water so I can die. He thought he was going to get away with it. 
And God created a big fish. Okay, you think you're going to die? I'm going to send the biggest fish to swallow you. And the Bible says that that fish appeared and swallowed him and everything got calm. And there was Jonah. And Jonah says in chapter 2, he says, it is like hell living in this fish. He was wrapped up with seaweed. He was smelling all the garbage that the, that the fish was eating. He was stinky. He was just floating. And he said, and I cried out to the Lord a second time. And his voice came, the word of the Lord came to me the second time. And vomit me right where I started in living word. <laughs> but, but that's mercy. That's mercy because he got all that place a living hell. That is mercy. God has a lot of mercy on us. Look at Lot. There he is with all these crazy people, all these crazy Crazy sexual people. And the two angels go into his house. And then the men outside the house, they knock. Said, what do you want? He says, do you want my daughters? I'll give you my daughters. He says, no, we want the two angels, those two people that walked into your house. But here's a corruption that he was willing to give his two daughters. And the Bible says that the angels heard and came out and blinded all of all, all the city of Lot. And picked up Lot and his family and took them out. That's mercy. That's mercy. Even in the middle of a lot of sin. So when you think of all that, you say, my God, he has been patient with me. Listen to me. If God has been patient to you. He wants to show redemption through you. There are people that want to confess their sins to you or they expose themselves. And by you saying, I understand, but I have a God that really loves you. And even if you're backslidden and even if they're gone, God is merciful. He's going to pick you up and you give redemption. The same redemption that you got from God is the same redemption you give to God, to the people of God, to the people of God. So God loves us. And if God loves us, then that means that no matter if you made a mistake, you will hear these words. I called you. You can be in the middle of darkness and you'll hear God's voice. I have called you. I have called you. And I am with you. I am with you. And I will take away all your evil thoughts of your heart. And I will be with you and I will take and I will accomplish my will regardless of your weaknesses. Some of you are here. You couldn't get up. You didn't have the power to get up. But Jesus gave you the power to stand up as a man and a woman and feel the grace and the power of God in your life because that's how much he loves you. And you're sitting here today. Hallelujah. Or you're listening to me. And yet God has his mercy there. You didn't deserve it, but he died for you. He died for you and he resurrected you. And that it says a lot. I want to show you something. I'm going to ask Daniel Isamar to come on up right now. 
Let me have the microphone here. And, uh, some of, testing, testing. Some of you don't know who they are, but they're going to tell you who they are. This is Daniel and Ismar. Okay. My name is Daniel, and I uh, just want to speak real quick about God's grace. Um, I was a drug addict. I was addicted, um, and I overcame my addiction, and it was through my own terms, right? And God, I, I, I realized that I was still addicted, right? I was addicted to my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, but I was still addicted. And when I came to God, he helped me overcome all of that. And um, the thing about God's grace is that, like, I mean, wow, he saved me, right? He, he picked me up from the dirt, from the grime, he picked both of us up. We're miracles here standing today. I'm serious, like miracles. Like, you can't tell me that God isn't real because I'm standing here today, right? And, but that's not where it stops. That's not where it stops. Um, He's, he shows me daily that I'm still, I still have selfishness to work out in me. He shows me daily that I'm a Christ follower, but there's still things that he needs to work out in my life. And that right there blows my mind because he, I think I know myself and I want to be the hero, right? I want to be King David, right? But he shows me, God tells me, well, you are King David, but not the hero. You're more like the sinful King David, and Jesus is the hero. And he points me to the scriptures, and then he points me to All right. the, the gospels, and I see Jesus working miracles. I see that Jesus is the hero's hero, and I see even now, even though that I'm a Christian, even though that I follow God to, and I want to do the most for him, he shows me that that I'm more like the, the paralytic man that Jesus needs to come and he needs to heal. I'm more like the blind person that Jesus needs to come and he needs to heal. And I look at the Gospels and I see Jesus being the hero daily and me and you, not being the hero, more being the person that needs Jesus. And it's all Jesus. It's all, he, he points to Jesus. He, Jesus always, God always points me to Jesus and to see how much I need him and how little or nothing that I am Without Jesus, I'm, I'm that tasteless water that does nothing at a party, that Jesus turns into wine. I say, I'm, I'm the wine with Jesus. I'm the man that can see because of Jesus. And that's the part that blows my mind because as much as I want to do right, I still need Jesus. I'm nothing without him. And, and for him to just use me, and I see that, and I'm like, wow, G Jesus, I'm the... I'm the one that needs you and you're still going to use me. It's, it blows my mind. It's the goodness of God that leads me to repent from my sins, that leads me to just want more of him anyway. I'm going to stop talking. And uh, I'll get this is my wife, Isamar. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Isamar. <laughs> um, the first time I ever stepped foot into Living Word, I didn't know Jesus. I had heard the name didn't mean anything to me, and they took me in a pastor's office. I had to get delivered, and for a long time, I was ashamed of that because I couldn't explain it. And I wish I could tell you that's where I got better, but it, it didn't. I left over four times, 
And every time that I kept coming back to Living Word, it was the love of God shed abroad by my church family that called me back and I kept learning more and more about him. And on August 9th, 2018, I was in an alley inside a dumpster and I cried out to God. And I told God, God, you see me. You see, I keep trying to get up and I can't. Can you save me? And the next day, my mom paid for an Uber for me to get dropped off at church. And for the first time ever, after being a heroin addict for eight years, I didn't have to use one last time. He met me that night. And he broke those shackles off of me. And it didn't stop there because then he started giving me victories over my past. And the first one he gave me, I went to court. I had over five warrants for my arrest. I was, going, I was supposed to go to jail that day. And the public defender came out and he talked to me and he said, I don't believe that the girl that's standing before me is the same girl described here. There's something about you, and, and I knew what that was, and I walked in there with Jesus, and I walked out of there. I walked out of there because man doesn't have the last say. God does. And the second victory I got was over my hepatitis C. I had received treatment for it, and the doctor said it didn't work. I remember I went home and I cried and I kept praying and I was like, God, I know you're going to heal me, but even if you don't, it's okay, I know, but I know you will. And I went back to the doctor and the doctor was like, let's test you one last time before we start you again on the treatment. And it was gone. It was gone. <laughs> Slowly, God started to restore my family back to me. Daniel came into the home, we got married, and the last time I stood before you, I was holding on to the promise that I was going to be able to see my son that I had lost because of my addiction. And I just saw him play baseball three weeks ago. introduce right now on a daily he's still doing it today and with that I want to introduce Angie Roseanne and Lorraine hi my name is Roseanne um, before coming to the home, I was homeless. I was in a very abusive relationship. So for me to say that I'm blessed to be here standing, I'm really blessed because I would go to sleep nights not knowing if I'd wake up the next day. 
And I just want to say thank you to my mom for always praying and faithfully praying because I know for her faithful prayers, it would, I wouldn't be standing here. It has a lot to do with me being here. She's always prayed for me, and, and I believe in prayer. And I just want to thank God for my salvation being here. Hi, I'm Lorraine. Um, I'm just five days in California. Came to home, didn't even know what I was coming to. Um, yeah, I don't, I didn't, I don't know. Left everything, my job, my van, everything, because I was not happy. I was looking for, I'm looking for something new, and hopefully here I will, it is. <laughs> Good morning, first and foremost, I just want to give all honor and glory and praise to Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Redeemer. Um, I came into the women's home, uh, it's going to be three years in May. Um, but a year before that, I had came in for like two weeks. My dad dropped me off and he didn't know what to do with me. I was crazy out of my mind, okay? <laughs> I, I lost everything. I chose drugs over everything. I lived, I breathed, everything I did when I got up in the morning. The first thing I had to do was, it wasn't about taking a shower, it wasn't about brushing my teeth. It was not about eating. Where am I going to get my next high? How am I going to do this? I did everything I could to support that. You know, I stole, I cheated, I, I, you know, I left my kids. I, I let down the most important things in my life at a time when they needed me the most. I lost my mom to cancer. And when she passed away, um, I let all the condemnation, because I wasn't grounded in the Lord the way that I should have been. I, I wasn't worshiping, coming to prayer, worship, or Bible study. I wasn't doing that daily. I let those things go. And when the storm hit, I fell. And not only me, but my whole family fell. It had an effect on my whole family. My kids were gone. They went with, um, my daughter got taken to CPS. My son went with my brother. And, um, and I lived with that guilt and that shame. Not only that, but the years before when I had um, been in my addiction, my mom was always trying to minister to me, teach me about the Lord, bring me back. You know, but she always stood her ground. She always stood for what was right. And she did not let me, she held her boundaries. And I'm grateful to that. At the time, I didn't understand that, you know, but I understand it now. And, um, and I'm grateful for it because I did have a praying mom. And I know that all the times that I went through, the things that I went through, there's times I almost got beaten, I almost got raped. There's times I could have died. But by the grace of God and the prayers of my mom praying for me, those covered me. And I'm grateful for that. And I see the importance of that, you know. Um, so uh, those two weeks I was here, Something got planted. Something different got planted in me. The love that those la the ladies in the home had made it easier for me to come back into the home. Um, and you know, I and I used to go to Living Word uh, Riverside with my mom. And how funny I ended up back in Living Word, but <laughs> right here. Right. But uh, so the Let's second, okay, so the, when I came, I, I left the home, right? I left because I wasn't ready and I wanted yeah. to continue to get high. That was my thing. I was, I got my little rest and I took off. But I ended up in a whole circle that whole next year because I, I did, I, I, you know, I came back to the Lord, but I, I, I walked off. Man, it was so much worse, let me tell you. Those doors started getting shut. Those people started being really mean to me and kicking me out. I was out in the streets sleeping behind a chase bank. I slept in front of a 24-hour fitness because I was afraid that somebody was going to hurt me. I fell flat on my face, busted my, my lip open because I was so tired. 
You know, those are the things that happened to me because that's what I chose. And because I chose that, I was given over to that, and the enemy took. He stole, he cheated, he took everything. He, he wanted to take my life, but God protected me because God's will and God's will prevail. And I made it back here. The very last day before I came, I was out in the rain with one little bag, and my feet were hurting because I had been walking. I had nowhere to go, and the people where I was staying, um, I had just got out of jail. And, you know, the one thing that I held on to that whole week that I was out was my Bible. So in here, it was, it was there. It was holding on, you know. And so uh, God saw my heart. And he drew me back. He rescued me. He gave me that um, strength to call my dad, even though I didn't want to, and say, hey, I need some help. Please help me out of this. And that day when I came in, I was grateful. There was a change. I'll tell you right now, I have no desire for drugs. I have no desire to smoke or to drink. I, I, man, the Lord has taken that desire away from me. And that is the power of God. That is that all-surpassing power that is inside of me. It's not of me. It's not of myself. It is by him and by his grace. And I'm so grateful unto that this morning. I just want to let you guys know that there's nothing impossible with him because I used to walk those streets with my head down with the guilt and the shame upon my life, feeling that I can never ever do, do anything my life was over because I had made so many mistakes but God said no my power is great in you it's not you that do it it's me that does it and I have a great plan for you you went through these things because I need you to have a testimony I need you to touch other women I need you to encourage other women and that is what I'm trying to do give my heart to the Lord and help these ladies yes it's sometimes it's hard you know I I'm, I, those are things that I pray for, but this is where God's giving me his heart and he's teaching me how to be more like him. So I'm just grateful unto him this morning. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. I'll stretch your hands this way, would you? Thank you, Daniel and Isamar. I'll stretch your hands. Stay right here. We're going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you. I just pray your grace all over them. Oh, Lord, I pray for Daniel Ezemar. Thank you for their lives. And thank you for this home. And I pray that you will increase it, bless it. And I pray our, our people that are listening right now will encourage, do anything that they can for these girls. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we ask. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Amen. That's the best one. That's the best one. Isn't that beautiful, frail, broken, yet God can pick you up? Yes. This is the God we serve. Yes. And he needs more instruments yes. like Daniel and Isamar that will surrender themselves to help, to be God's hands to be God's reference point where they can look at you and say, you know what, if there's hope for you, there's hope for me. Because we're just frail people and walking around with the grace of God and the power of God that is in us. We have a lot of power in us. They said it all. But I'm going to read a scripture here found in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 4, 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The power of God is in us. Say it with me. The power of God is in me. The power of God is in me. Say it with me. The power of God is in me. It is. 
You're not just an ordinary person. You're a powerful person. You're a glorious person. And when you walk in, everything will begin to change because you will make an impact with your own life. They might not read the Bible, but they're reading you. They're reading you and they want to hear you. And thank God for these ladies. Thank God for these ladies. <clears throat> and I want to say this. We're, we've been renting that house for close to three years, I think. And it took a long time to invest in people. A lot of money was invested. But money is, if God gives it, we invest it. Now we're probably going to get another house next to the home that I have there in La Puente. And today, hopefully, the doors will open and we'll take over there and take these girls and put them over there and let it bloom. Let it bloom. Let it bloom. <clears throat> so we have this treasure. Can you say amen? amen. Let, me, let me go back to the text that I started, 4-7 four, four, of 2 Corinthians. But we have this treasure in those earthly vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. Now listen to verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, that means confused, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Today, as you sit in here, I don't care what you've gone through. I don't know where you've been or what kind of trial you faced. God is there with you and he lives inside of you and the treasure is inside of you and you cannot give up. You just got to dust yourself and say, I'm moving forward in the mighty name of Jesus. Nothing will stop us. Nothing will stop us. And so that we could feel what the Lord felt when he was around people. He had compassion for people. He was brokenhearted with people. He would look at people and he said, let me stop here. Let me preach out of a boat. Let me preach uh, next to the ocean. Let me preach somewhere else in a wedding. But he would always stop because he cared about people and because he realized that his mission was to touch people. Your mission today is to touch people. You're just not an ordinary person. You're a Holy Ghost person that knows who God is. So, you and I are together, whether we like it or not. We're the body of Christ. And let me, let me say this. There's a lot of prayer going up for you. A lot of prayer. We are splashing you like crazy. You're not going to go anywhere. And if you stray, God's going to hit you with his little stick. Not hit you, poke you. Shepherds poke. They don't beat. They just beat the wolf. Amen. So I want you to stand up with me. And I want you just to lift up your hands towards heaven. You heard a lot of good things. And they said more than what I can say. <clears throat> but I want you to lift up your hands towards heaven. Come on, lift them up high. That's a sign of surrender. When the policeman says surrender, both hands go up. One without wrath, the Bible says, and one without doubt. God is not mad at me, and I have no doubt that he's going to do what he's going to do for me.
Say with me, Heavenly Father, I give you my heart and I give you my family and I give you my children. I pray that you will guide them, that you will bring them to you in the name of Jesus, that you will take care of me, make me that instrument of righteousness to live for you, to be a good testimony so that I can touch others. And right now I shake off the old, the voices. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus all over my life. Right now, wash me, cleanse me in the name of Jesus. Now I want you to do something special with me. Keep your hands up in the air and I want you just to shake them, shake off yourself. Just like a little washing, shake off every single thought, every single pain, every single strategy that you felt that was coming on you. No, it's not going to come on you. God is going to protect you. Now give the Lord a good clap of it. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you.